0: This day on the eve of the Ides of November, hey, mid-November here already, gosh, the countdown continues. (laughs) I'm not thinking of it that way, but I kind of am. Woke up yesterday morning and thought, my gosh, I have two weeks left of radio programs. My final show will be a week Friday. Uh, By the way, I'll be at Agribition on Tuesday doing the show, and I know it's something you don't even care about but I got a brand new pair of boots. I was down in Austin, Texas. You know that a few weeks ago, and you can't go to Texas and not come back without boots. I love them. So, and I know, I don't get a chance to wear it. You're supposed to call them Western boots. I just call them cowboy boots because I want to be a cowboy when I grow up. So uh, yeah, so I'll see you at aggravation next week. But then Friday of next week shows over. And uh, at least for me, the new Evan Bray show Starts the Monday following, November 27th, and I am really looking forward to you spending your time every morning with Evan. Okay, this is a story, uh, by the way, we've got a copy of this uh, Saskatoon Capacity Pressure Action Plan. Uh, I see some of it that makes sense. Other parts, I just think it's in the writing. I don't understand them. They don't mention 32 transitional beds they don't say which hospital the beds go in at the end of November like i i don't get some of the details it's just poorly communicated but uh, there are some very specific details and uh, they're serious about dealing with the pressure on uh, hospital capacity and so they should be it's a challenge but on the healthcare front one of the more encouraging things that has been getting a lot of discussion in the past year year and a half is the movement into physician assistants in Saskatchewan. Uh, The government announced about a year ago, then you heard more talk in the budget for this, and then the announcement uh, just two weeks ago that the College of Medicine is going to develop a new two-year physician assistant master's program. So the creation will be 12 positions, And that was funded in the budget this spring. Training at the College of Medicine will begin in the fall of 2025. And there will be 20 spots available when the program is launched. So we will be on the way to a first class of 20 PAs uh, being run through the uh, College of Medicine. But the the movement to permit physician's assistance uh, has been now well-established, and I wanted to check in on what PAs are going to mean for Saskatchewan. Uh, Todd Bryden is uh, the Saskatchewan Director for the Canadian Association of Physician Assistants. He's a practicing PA, and we find him in rural Manitoba today. Todd, uh, thanks so much for taking our call. Good to have you here. Hi, John. Glad to be back. Uh, tell me about the, the move since you and I last talked for Saskatchewan uh, to pursue the PA licensing, the PA programs. Where are we now?
1: Uh, right now, uh, all of those things are now in place. Uh, there was many meetings, conversations, and lots of hard work that was accomplished by uh, Kappa, the Health Minister's Office, Saskatchewan Health Authority, and the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Saskatchewan, who is the regulatory body for PAs to uh, work in Saskatchewan.
0: Okay, you answered one of my questions then. So in terms of a regulatory body, you won't have your own. You'll fall under the rubric of the, the College of Physicians and Surgeons. That
1: is correct, yes. Is
0: that done in, in other provinces, Todd?
1: It is. Uh currently I'm working in Manitoba and my regulatory body is the College of Physicians and Surgeons in Manitoba. College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta is also looking uh at the regulatory uh regulation of their PAs as well as Nova Scotia. So it's coming common practice uh for because we work under the the physician's license to have the same regulatory body.
0: So on scope of practice, in other words, what you're able to do professionally, uh, compared, contrasted, complementary, of course, to physicians or nurse practitioners. I mean, everybody's got sort of the lane they stay in. Is the Saskatchewan scope of practice uh, comparable and acceptable in your view uh, as a professional? Uh,
1: As a professional and one of the reviewers, um, it's very simple. Similar to my, the scope of practice that I currently have and work under in uh, Manitoba. So it, it's very acceptable. Good. The, uh, the amount of things that they've opened up uh, PAs to be able to do starting off. Um, the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Saskatchewan, uh, for lack of a better terms, did it right to, to start off rather than playing catch up, which is being seen in other provinces that didn't have regulation, and then now are trying to move to have regulation. So it, it was a step in the right direction to have all, all everything set up properly before um, PAs actually come into practice.
0: The last time we talked, you you helped orient us to what it is PAs do. So PAs must work with or or associated with or under a physician.
1: That is correct. So supervising physician is the uh, overall. Uh, lead, Um, I report back to uh, my physician uh, under my scope of practice, and that can be I'm working 50 kilometres away from my supervising physician today where I'm working, but I am in contact with him if I need be via phone, so he could review or if I had any questions or anything unsure, but my scope of practice is only limited by my supervising physician, and it is written in a manner that um, he can delegate certain activities to me as long as my supervising physician is trained and remains competent to do those things. Um, so say a physician is trained to do, uh, um, what's, what's a good example, um, a toenail removal, he could delegate that to his TA. Um, a simple procedure uh, up to other more complicated procedures once the PA uh, is in practice long enough. So, so
0: things like the family doctor experience. So I'd go to the clinic where my family physician is. They're using a PA or several PAs you would be able by yourself to effectively conduct uh, the intake. Uh, you know, somebody's got a sore throat. Somebody's got, you know, a bump or a bruise or this sort of thing. You would be able to do that first instance kind of diagnosis and recommended treatment?
1: Exactly. Um, and then uh, I could go after you have left and you've been discharged. Uh, then you could, I could go and discuss the case later with my supervising physician if there was anything out of the ordinary or there was something he had questions about, or do a rundown of the patients that I saw in the, in the clinic for the day.
0: You could also prescribe uh, drugs to, to deal
1: with whatever ailment I present with? That is correct. Uh, the only limited uh, medications that TAs cannot prescribe as of yet uh, is narcotics. So I couldn't give you a prescription uh, to take to a pharmacy to get filled. But if you were a patient in the hospital, so if I was working on a ward, so to speak, and looking after your care on the ward, and you need a pain management, I could prescribe them in in the facility. Todd Bryden so it's is a, saying. it's a little little odd, uh, and it's two different kind of uh, uh, two different uh, locations. But uh, in one location, I could prescribe it; in the other. I
0: can't. Okay. Yeah. That's an interesting clarification. Todd Bryden is with us. Uh, He is the uh, Saskatchewan director of the Canadian Association of Physician Assistants. So mentioning hospital, I'd always sort of been locked into this idea of seeing you, you know, in a practice mode uh, in a physician's office. Are are PAs becoming more
1: common in hospitals? Um, PAs are practicing all over. Uh, My previous job, I was uh, I worked with the Department of Surgery in uh, the section of urology at uh, Winnipeg Regional Health Authority, and I would do procedures, I would do ward management, I would do clinics. Uh, so I had a very, very wide range of things that I would be doing. I would do first assist in the operating room. So uh, PAs can pretty much be employed anywhere uh, within the healthcare system, um, which freeze up time uh, for, like, surgeons um, to continue in the operating room if they don't have to go and take care of the ward and manage the patients on the ward and discharge. I could go and do all of those things and then discuss, this is the plan for discharge, this is, you know, and carry out with a, with a discussion between my supervising physician and myself.
0: So as far as the, the way the landscape's going to work here today, even though the University College of Medicine will start this training ramp-up uh, probably twenty four twenty five, uh is the ability now under the Saskatchewan law, for example, for you, who's already a trained PA, can a PA set up and practice in Saskatchewan today, uh, provided they, of course, have a supervising physician?
1: Yes, they can, and the that. Goes without saying with the 12 positions that were, that were created by Saskatchewan, uh, uh, health authority. Those positions are dispersed across the, the province, uh, where they delegate, they decided they had need. Um, if say a family clinic wanted to hire a PA, they could go through the same process, um, submit all of the documents to the College of Physicians and, uh, Surgeons Saskatchewan and then therefore hire a PA and pay out of pocket, so to speak, as opposed to provincially funded position.
0: That's what I was was going to ask you. Yeah, so you could could hire a PA as part of a clinic and not have the government necessarily saying that's one of the 12. That's correct. Okay. Uh, Any sense of the uptake, Todd? Are we uh, seeing this starting to happen in clinics?
1: Um, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, heard of anything as of yet i know that uh, because it's in its inf- infancy infancy sorry can't speak this morning um <laughs> doing well. that you know the uh the the recruitment has gone out for the for the positions um and as pas grow within the province then i think we we will see that you know the the benefits where some clinics are hurting and they have too many patients. Doctors may decide as a group uh, to go out and say, "Let's hire a PA. Let's bring in a PA for this," or uh, you know, uh, expand our clinic where we can see more patients in the, in a day um, to assist with those sorts of things. Um, it's 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 a it's a struggle across Canada, and I know Saskatchewan is is. Is one of the, you know, one of the provinces that, ha- that has uh, difficulties uh, with retention and, um, of medical uh, practitioners. So uh, recruitment, um, so that, that's another big bonus with the, the course starting, uh, the master's uh, program, that retention will be a big thing where they could have positions created at when people graduate.
0: Right, but that'll be 20 spots, not really moving until 25. So we could today, uh, if you're a doctor's office or a group of partners, you could today go out and recruit and bring in as many PAs as you want. That's correct. Okay. That is correct. Yeah, I sure hope that starts happening because, I mean, to me, that's the obvious answer to the question, oh, my God, I can't find
1: a family doctor. Yes. Um, where. i a family a family doctor's practice if he has just throwing numbers out if he has a 1000 patients on his roster um he could increase that roster to 1500 1700 with a PA on his on his payroll so um those thing those the the number of patients that a PA can see in the, in a day is is unlimited as well so this
0: is really interesting stuff, Todd. Thanks so much. Always good. I, I learn so much every time we talk about this. Uh, all the best, and uh, keep uh, keep us in the loop on what's happening on the landscape for PAS, if you
1: would. I, I'm happy to do so, and I'm always uh, always happy to talk to you.
0: Todd Bryden, Saskatchewan director for the uh, Canadian Association of Physician Assistants. So the program, not the program, the program at the university where twenty. Positions uh, will be, or 20 spots will be available uh, in the 24-25 academic year. They're going to be training physician assistants. It'll be a master's program. But the province has announced that we are licensing physician assistants. They're licensed now. College of Physicians and Surgeons regulates them. The government is funding 12 PA positions. That would be like in hospitals, health clinics, what have you. Doctors, however and i think doctors are a pretty entrepreneurial group with the exception of the whiners on twitter but you know so imagine you've got a doctor you know a physician's clinic where you've got x number of patients and you're not taking new patients people are saying gosh i need a family doctor imagine two or three doctors all of whom are completely booked bring in a pa or two and then all of a sudden not only do you accommodate new patients you're actually able to expand the operation what do you think of this? I am not seeing many downsides. To phys- I, I see no downsides to physician assistance 877-332-8255. What do you think? This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Lest we uh, have a big uh, competitive turf war breakout, uh, this radio program is a huge fan of physician assistants and nurse practitioners. Uh, The government in Saskatchewan announced at the same time, Well, we've had nurse practitioners for longer, but they're expanding now the whole licensure of nurse practitioners along with physician assistants. A number of you are going, wow, this is better. Well, how about this? How about they're both really good? Uh Compare and contrast. I used to confuse them all the time. In fact, we had uh, one of the nurse practitioners on one day. She set me straight. Then we had uh Todd Bryden on physician assistant. He set me straight so compare and contrast physician assistants by the general public and nurse practitioners are often confused a bit, but what goes on. Nurse practitioners work under what's called an advanced nursing model. Physician assistants work under a medical model. So nurse practitioners have a defined specific scope of practice. This is the scope of practice of a nurse practitioner. The beauty of nurse practitioners, because they're very well trained and they're very good at what they do, in that scope of practice, they work completely autonomously. So a nurse practitioner, as does the case around the province, uh, can, they often work collaboratively, I mean, with other NPs, uh, even with physicians, but nurse practitioners can do a complete standalone operation. A physician assistant practices under a supervising physician, but can do Anything their supervising physician does, emergency medicine, critical care, psychiatry, family medicine, neurology, surgery, orthopedics, internal medicine, gastro oncology. So a physician assistant, as the name implies, is medically trained and works with the supervising physician who does not have to be in the room. As Todd was saying today, he's working at a clinic in rural Manitoba. His supervising physician is 50 or 60 K away. And he reports to the physician, they collaborate, they they go on. So in a doctor's office, imagine what a physician assistant would do. Incredible. In running clinics, imagine what nurse practitioners do. Incredible work. It's not one or the other, it's not better or worse. Both of these can make Saskatchewan healthcare more accessible. To you. I'm Gormley. This is 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. So the uh, province has come out uh, per our conversation uh, just with Todd Bryden on physician assistance. You know, I can see things working here if you can get the medical community or sadly the medical industry because it's a government run industry. But you see, it's not in terms of family care. We've often joked about this, even though there's a whole gang of new young doctors who all want to be government Employees on the payroll, I get that. But doctors typically are private enterprises delivering publicly funded health. So, you know, your doctor's office, the front office staff, the nurses, the technicians, they're all on the payroll of a partnership or a medical professional corporation. They carry out and all of the billing is done to one payer, one insurance company, the government of Saskatchewan, and then you don't pay anything. So that's the way our system runs. One would think that an entrepreneurial medical partnership that's already encountering a lot of stress, you just can't take any new patients because they don't have enough docs, bring in some physician assistants, go do some recruiting. They're unlimited number. And as long as they're working under a supervising physician who they report to who has ultimate oversight, it'd be really cool. So the other story out today is the Saskatoon Capacity Pressure Action Plan. Uh, We're looking at getting somebody on the show tomorrow to explain this. You know, I get previous actions. I get the overview. I get everything else. The headline I looked for in this was actions currently being implemented. And another category, immediate actions, next 30 days. Actions being implemented within 90 days. So there's some fairly specific things here, but the language procurement of additional community-based long-term and convalescent care beds to enable patient discharge and care transitions from hospital to appropriate care settings. uh, That's a 90-day objective. In other words, this is to make sure People in need of convalescent beds who are particularly elderly aren't in hospitals. They should be in convalescent facilities, uh, increased home care, palliative care uh, to prevent ER presentations. In other words, people showing up at ER when you could be doing home care and palliative. Uh, that's on the 90 day plan. Three more ICU beds, uh, RUH for critical care services. So then the 30 day plan, Is a temporary deployment of staff to acute care units to coordinate patient discharge from acute care. So in other words, the more you can get the patients out and moving, the more beds are open. Uh, Weekend staffing enhancements. um, Okay. Increasing adherence to the existing overcapacity protocols. What? Oh, and line of sight, spelt S-I-T-E. I'm all about line of sight, S-I-G-H-T, for senior leadership to transition. Like A lot of this is the usual S-H-A, never met a word they couldn't mangle. So that's the 30-day, 90-day plan. The immediate stuff is what I'm interested in. Actions being implemented include the addition of 32 transitional beds added by the end of November. To facilitate discharge and care transitions for patients from acute care to appropriate care settings. In other words, 32 transitional beds to move more people out to leave more room for acute care. Deployment of primary health care staff to support the emergency department and the inpatient units to identify patients that could be cared for at home or in the community to avoid admission to hospital. And then additional staffing underway to support 43 additional beds at RUH, including 21 temporary inpatient and 22 temporary flex beds and what they call EMS transition beds. So these are people who um, emergency medical services are bringing in. There'll be more beds available for them. So that's what we know. But we'll get more details. And, of course, these things are, as I say, notoriously word heavy and... It's it's government. So you've got to sometimes go through that kind of text. But I always thought line of sight was S-I-G-H-T. Could be me. Call me a word bird. Call me an English major with nothing better to do. But that's my thought. Can I share a thought on the Grey Cup game this weekend? Should be good. The underdog Montreal Alouettes, I mean, they weren't supposed to come out of the East supposed to be Toronto. So the underdog Alouettes led by Cody Fajardo playing the class of the league, the several-time defending Grey Cup champ, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, led by Zach i I think we go hard on ourselves. I mean, there's a snippy element to this. And I don't participate, at least on this one, I'm being snippy. I'm snippy about lots of things. Well... We let Zach Calaris go. Well, we let Cody Fajardo go. Do you not remember the circumstances? I mean, it's a testament to these two men that they've been able to roll off what were not optimal performances in Saskatchewan. So, you know, you don't staff a team and make your game planning and make your bench strength based on where a guy three years from now is going to be with another team and how well he will do. I mean, you don't do that. Nobody gave you a crystal ball as a coach or a GM. Let's go more recent to more late. Do you remember Cody Fajardo last year? Now, did he have a great O-line? He had a terrible O-line. The guy couldn't find a pocket if he put both hands in his jeans straight down. He was not a pocket passer. He wasn't a guy who understood the pocket. Now, maybe that's because his defensive line was not so hot. I don't know. Cody Fajardo always struck me as a really nice young guy. Lovely wife, little baby. Um, remember the, uh, what was it? The, what of Jesus? The um, um, The sprinkle of Jesus and his affection for corn dogs. You know, I thought he was good. But have you forgotten those passes where he would go on his rear leg like he was throwing a freaking javelin and the ball would wobble and wobble and hang up there? And if somebody was lucky, they'd run under it or catch it. I mean, Cody Fajardo was not performing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders like a marquee quarterback. Now, you could say he's received the support, including with his now head coach, who was the offensive coordinator we also fired, Jason Moss. But all of this is where he ended up. And credit to him for the kind of resilience and the leadership to do what he did. But Cody Fajardo was not performing last year like a quarterback that was going to get this team where it had to go. So then let's go back to Zach Colaris, who I'm fond of calling, and I shouldn't do this, he's a really great guy, Poor Zach Coeris. remember, he gets here in 2018 from the Hamilton Tie Cats. And promptly in the second week, what happens to him? Bingo. Concussion. You know, and this is a half a million dollar marquee, marquee quarterback. So then he's on the six game injured reserve in 2018. Takes us to a, uh, what was it, a 12 game, 12 and six? Yeah. It was okay. But we lose. To the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Western semifinal. Why? Because he's got another concussion and he's not playing. So that was 2018. But Zach Colaris, he's got a great quarterback. So then 2019 begins. We're also pumped. What happens on the very first game of the season? A concussion. So, I mean, yes, Zach Colaris has gone on to wonderful things with the Blue Bombers. And I wish the guy nothing but well, but. When did this sort of self-flagellating, self-abusing, oh, we had them both and we mistreated them. No. They went on to good things. But Daryl Davis, I love you like a brother, but I will not play your game on this. God. Now, that brings us to the present quarterbacking situation. Trevor Harris. I think he actually would have played had we made the playoffs. Trevor Harris is a class guy. And we're we're going to get through the quarterbacking thing, but just stop on this Saskatchewan whiner thing about Colaris and Fajardo. Stop! It doesn't make you look good. By the way, who do you think's going to win? Cinderella story is Fajardo and the and the Owls. I don't think they're going to beat the Blue Bombers. I really don't. 8773328255. Now was that a pep talk for me or was I whining at you? You can give a pep talk while whining. This is 650 ckom and 980
1: CJme She ain't pretty, she just looks that way.
0: Good to have you here. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, Nick Marshall, we talked about it yesterday while we we're on the Riders. The standout defensive back, former quarterback of Auburn. I loved uh, Nick Marshall, past tense, only because this season, sort of halfway through the year, I got the sense that I never played football at any level other than got kind of a junior high, early high school, but I'm a fan And I do play a fair bit more on Madden than you know I do. Um, You know, I just, I love this game. The guy was dogging it. He was just mailing it in a number of games by, and I don't know. It's that old idea that somebody lose a locker room, somebody lose him. I don't know. So when Nick Marshall got in this latest problem he's got being found in a car with a modified semi-automatic handgun and charged in Georgia... Well, it's going to be two problems. First of all, even before a trial, just in the face of the charges, never mind convicted or not, how do you get back and forth back to Canada? How do they let you in here? Probably not. And number two, you've got to be able to say the guy wasn't, he was mailing it in recently, and you send a message to the locker room. There's certain behavioral standards. You're not cutting it. Time to move on. So, uh, Nick Marshall is, of course, the latest one when we speculate on football. A number of you are being quite past remarkable. This is Kyle. I don't think anyone in Saskatchewan is in any condition or shape right now to comment on the state of football anywhere in Canada, given <laughs> the uh, season for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yep. But see, the whole point was here, and this is where I went on this rant that it's becoming fashionable in some quarters of Ryder Nation to say, oh, look, Zach Kolaris, oh, look, Cody Fajardo, we could have had them both. Well, we would not have had them. Would you have kept Zach Kolaris? I mean, second season and his first season, two concussions, second season, first opening game of the year, Simone Lawrence with the cheap hit, then another concussion? I mean, and credit to him that he's done so well since he's moved to Winnipeg. And I, again, you harbor no ill will toward anybody in pro sports. Well, maybe except Simone Lawrence. But, you know, good for Zach hilaris, But this idea that somehow Saskatchewan mishandled this? No. You play the cards you're dealt, and we kept getting dealt with Zach, a hand that didn't have all the cards in it. Uh, con- similarly, with Cody Fajardo, who uh, underperformed so much, which caused one of you to say, This is Jeff. It's almost like Fajardo benefited from some good coaching or something. Somebody must have called him out on his anxiety, taught him not to hold the ball too long, and then they leave him to finish when he starts and lets him build his confidence. Imagine that, dripping with sarcasm. Yeah, I guess that was probably Jason Moss The same guy who didn't do any of that as the offensive coordinator when he was here with the aforementioned Cody Fajardo. So I would counter that argument. Uh, Josh, John, you're bang on about Cody Fajardo. He was gone from the Riders for a reason. It was poor performance. The Owls offense still underperforms. Cody must be thankful for the defense that scored all those points on Saturday. So, okay, let me just look here. If we'd had an O-line for the past 10 years, we would have had Sack Colaris, Cody Fajardo, and Trevor Harris performing as well as expected. It's hard to throw a good football, keep your head, when you're running for your life. What do I know? I'm just a farmer, says Mark. Mark, I'm just a radio show host. I defer to you. Um. Totally agree, says Merv. If you don't perform in football or you do something stupid, see Nick Marshall, you're gone. This is performance-based entertainment. And remember, we did say it's entertainment. Uh, Fajardo scored... (laughs) Okay, six touchdowns in four games last year. Colaris is a different story. We had Colaris... Uh, we should have sent others and kept him. So a few of your thoughts. But I just think it is unseemly for certain in the Saskatchewan sports world to start this you know, beating ourselves up and somehow that could have been our Grey Cup. No. You wish them both well. And I think Winnipeg, as much as it's a great Cinderella story with Fajardo and the Alouettes, I think Winnipeg will likely prevail. This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.